Hey folks, Finn here from Wandering to Wellness. I'm missing my lovely co-host today, Lydia Sass, unfortunately. You got um, me instead. Well, well, unfortunately for you, Rob, because you'd love to meet her. But uh, I am very, very lucky to be joined by um, one of my, basically my favorite, well, it is my favorite brain in the world of natural health. Uh, just the brain. I don't like the rest of them, but I love the brain. So that's why it's here. No, Rob is, uh, Rob Kirk, Dr. Rob Kirk, excuse me, um, is uh, an, an old buddy from a long time ago. He has written umpteen papers on umpteen different um, natural health paradigms, be it like metabolic disease, be it about um, markers for uh, the influence of like uh, our, 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 our diet, lifestyle on things like cancer and heart disease risk and all these sorts of things, and, and much more micro stuff as well. And he, he, I can see him looking around already going like, he shouldn't have said that <laughs> because his brain works too fast. So essentially what I wanted to do was have a quick chat with Rob because um, it's, he's a busy man um, to see what he thought of like where we're at at the moment. Like, we're, we're at a, we're at the, at the show called um, Natural Organic Products Europe in London and Excel. And, I mean, there's so much around us. There's so much to see that's new. There's so much consolidation of all ranges. Some things that are disappearing, some new things emerging. What's the most exciting thing for you at the moment in natural health? I think the most exciting thing is that there is now a really large number of people on this planet who realize that living your life any old how and just turning up to your GP when you feel sick, when you hit your 50s, and I'm speaking as someone who's now two years away from my 60th birthday. That doesn't seem um, possible also. Well, it is. So he's doing something um, right. <laughs> that, that is no longer a situation that we can tolerate. And, it, and it, you know, you, you work your butt off all your life, mm. and then you try and enjoy your twilight years. And we face a society now where... The sponge in, in, is dry yeah, every time you get to 65. Basically, yeah. most of us from the age of 50 start developing multiple comorbidities and it means you really can't enjoy life and you yeah. may go out onto the golf course and you could well get a heart attack and uh, yeah, yeah I, I, interesting I've just come back from a, a week of um, a cycle training camp in Lanzarote on the way out there a guy nearly died on the plane and on the way back a guy nearly died on the plane and we had to ditch the, the plane in uh, in Porto and get him off before he actually passed away and we're not sure if he made it. So but, these weren't your cycling buddies, what's wrong with these? No, they weren't, they, weren't si they, weren't my, they were just tourists travelling to Lanzarote and back um, and, and of course that kind of situation, we, we now have people who don't fit into airline seats. Mm -hmm. um, this, is, this is preventable disease, the burden at the moment is preventable disease, it's manageable and the kind of people who come to this show yeah. are people who understand that paradigm. Yes, we're preaching to the converted a little bit, which must be a bit frustrating for you. Yeah, but, but you see, what, we, what we're in the middle of is a bottom-up revolution. Okay. You know, we, there is now, there's a growing distrust of what governments are telling us. There's growing recognition that the GP in the white coat actually knows less about this than Dr. Google does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, so yeah. people are teaching themselves, learning from Dr. Google, but they're more importantly, they're learning from each other. Mm. And and so we're getting the development of community health hubs. Um, I'm a huge supporter of the fact that one of the most important locations here is the health store. That's why I love what you guys do. Hey. So that the health store has to become a hub in the community where people can come to a safe place and learn about stuff that makes a difference. Not just from the retailers, okay. but also from the other people who are in there. Yeah. And whether it's drinking their, you know, fermented drinks or their, you know, 
coconut latte or whatever it is yeah. um, let, let it be a, a place for exchange it's how it always yeah. used to work yeah. you look at all the blue zones around the world mm. you'll find there are a number of traits that, that yeah. come together it's people working in communities yeah. learning from each other um, relying a little bit less on tech although we've got a very interesting piece of tech that's filming us right now um, small essential, plug. essential. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, they, they, they basically all have meaning in life you know, it's 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 really interesting. If you look at the fundamental research that ties together all the longest-lived societies that have the highest proportion of centenarians with the lowest comorbidities, um, while the plant-based diet is common to all of them, yeah. some of them eat significant amounts of animal foods. Absolutely. None of them rely on industrialized food. Mm. None of them. Yeah. So, so that, we're kind of pushing around the fringes with their like CO2 extracted, we, activated. We, we start doing things, we start developing particular fractions that just disturb yeah. the nutrient profiles that we've co-adapted okay. with to yeah. a degree. And it's too early to, to call on what the long-term impacts mm. of that. But you know, the other factor that ties all these societies together is having meaning, meaning in life. Yeah, icky guy. Um, yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. So, um, what, what I love about the people who are part of a show like this is that they they all have something that's bigger picture going on, things mm. that they want to make a difference, and um, and that's really really important. So, let's say um, you're in your job. Let's say your your son, Mish, mm -hmm. who excuse me for mentioning his name alone. I hope yeah, that's okay. Yeah, but, that's uh, Let's say. He's, in, he's, he's working as a doctor now? Yeah, yeah, he's, okay. a, he's an ENT surgeon. So hardcore yeah. life, right? Yeah. I mean, it must be easy to, like, engage in a bit of a malaise and kind of like, what am I doing here? I'd like, you know, he's obviously knows he's helping people. He's obviously doing a, a fundamentally good thing. But it's very tough for people to recognize from within their lives how much they're doing in a macro way. Do you have a good way of reminding yourself that? Because you must get lost. I mean, you have the most insane schedule I've ever come across. Yeah. Uh, how, do you, you know, like, how do you come back to kind of like, okay, I know why I'm doing this, or do you have to? Yeah, I, I, I'm, for me, the, 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 the principle that ties everything I do together is, is, is simple sustainability. So whether I'm working in the field of agriculture or healthcare or energy, um, it, it comes back to sustainability and um, another sort of general concept I'm always working with is ecology okay so yeah, yeah. so if you if you keep looking at the system that we're dealing with as as a system full of interactions yeah. um, that occurs at the individual level it occurs within that individual it occurs with the bacteria and the other microorganisms so that we're part of but also then it occurs with the outside to have a different view on on the, the way in which gene expression is affected by your interaction with that environment. Um, think of it as an ecologist does. You know, you've got a rule system. You've, yeah. got, a, you've got some kind of a compass that keeps you on track. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Mish, my eldest son. I've got six kids. But, um, you know, he's, he practices acute medicine. Yeah. And there is no time at which acute medicine isn't good medicine. You know, I, I think that the problem we have in mainstream healthcare is not with acute medicine because yeah. there's some great acute medicine goes on and he's saving people's lives on a regular basis. And yeah. I think the very fact that the background that he's had has encouraged him into that role. That's fascinating. Is because it's the one role that you, you know, we can't fill that. Gap. Yeah. If, yeah. He, if he decided to be a cardiologist, mm. and Different he was just, yeah, he'd be pretty would, upset. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or an immunologist, or a neurologist. You yeah. Know. Uh, uh, and you know, people, people like Paul Mushroom out there, they're yes. doing fantastic work. Yes. But um, 
all of them have had to go through a sea change and they've had to resist. They've all had a lot of attacks from the mainstream because of what it, because they're, they're moving in the opposite direction. But um, so what, what we really need to, to understand, I think now, and, and it's, it's happening big time, is that the domain, the, the locus of, of healthcare is moving outside of this hospital, general practitioner, primary, secondary care system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does not work for preventable diseases. And it, the, 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 the locus for you know, looking at what we should be doing is people's homes, it's okay. people's workplaces, it's yeah. schools, yeah. it's kindergartens. Mm. We, we have to focus on younger people mm. because you, you start developing healthy patterns of diet and behavior. Just putting the environment around them so that they can grow. And, and they yeah. just become normal. I've yeah. seen it with, with the other kids I've brought into this world. Yeah. Um, you know, once they manage two or three healthy behaviors, they'll do six, seven or eight. You know, yeah. um, you, you look at the it's got a multiplicity. It's got like an addictive compulsive thing. Yeah. All, all of the all of the solutions to these complex chronic diseases are multifactorial. Mm. So there will never be a magic bullet. Yeah. They have a multifactorial origin, so they have to have a multifactorial solution. So it, it, it's really how do we build lifestyles that are compatible with this, and how do we find a way of, of empowering okay. people at a young enough age, um, and that means empowering them also with data. You know, yes. we, we run into major issues with the fact that, that you know, the, the doctor's God model, where the doctor holds on to a medical record and decides to drip feed tiny amounts of often quite scary pieces of information yeah. to an individual, that's disempowering. Yeah. And, and actually we can turn the whole thing on the head. So one of the big projects we're working on, um, the Hawthorne project, where we're developing a, an app that allows the individual to manage using anthropogenic data, you know, anthropometric data together with um, perceived health status questionnaires okay. with also other measures looking at individual dietary lifestyle and medicinal choices so that we can actually do pattern recognition analysis to wow. see if people who associate with healthy Darts and lifestyle actually have a much better health trajectory. We don't know that. We actually moment. don't know. It's so interesting. No. Isn't it? they, but yeah. there are plenty of us around who are you know, trying it. I'm yeah. looking pretty damn good on it. Who are managing okay? Who are managing okay? But, so, but we'll, we'll get on a bicycle and put it to the test. Yeah, we got to do that. Uh oh, we've said it in like in public now, so I actually have to do that. <laughs> I do genuinely, as you know. Yeah. Um, so, like in this environment where people are, you know, challenged, you know given information that maybe, you know, is somewhat, you know, myopic in terms of the types of changes they can make to their health or, or disempowering or disenfranchising. Is, are, we, are, we in a, are we in a situation, do you think, at this moment in time, because it's really changing, like, almost day by day, do you think there's, there's great opportunity? I, I know there's threat and opportunity, but and you're such a, I know what you're going to say, because you're such an optimist. You're going to say it's a time of great opportunity, but genuinely, like, in terms of perceived threats and perceived opportunities, like where where is the balance of, of, of power at the moment, and um, um, what's your well? I, I think I think the the, the 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 balance of power exists between a kind of um, alliance that has been formed between big government and big corporates at the moment, and and so to a degree they are trying to 
control the agenda. But the other side of it, the side that we're all involved with it, is the grassroots end yeah. of it. Where Do we're ever going to fracture that relationship between government and big pharma? Well, is, is, that, is that coming or is it just because yeah, we have to not worry I, about I, it? I, I, th I think there's many examples of the fact that um, if you look at the M&A policy, the merger and acquisition policy within pharma and within big food now, um, and we all know a few of the M&As that have occurred recently, um, you know, Atrium Innovations being bought by Nestle, so that includes the largest practitioner brand in the world, yeah. Pure Encapsulations. And this was Merck, was it? Was no, it, no, that was a different one. This was, Nes this okay. was Nestle. Merck Nestle. also got bought as well. Yeah, the, yeah, but that's, yeah. So sorry, but 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 what what I'm looking at here is the way in which companies in either the pharma or the food space, or both, yeah. are moving into our world. Yeah. So if we look at it, say, 15, 20 years ago there was an absolute brick wall between the two sides and you know there was a lot of rotten eggs being thrown across that wall yeah. and generally we were losing the fight because we were smaller yeah. the situation is you know if you can't beat them you've got to join them and because of the weight of science and the grassroots support for taking control of your own health yeah. that is unstoppable yeah. so that's a positive side um, they're, they're coming into this space now I think what we have to all do is is keep them honest and the, the bit that I'm always a bit disturbed about is are we communicating between all of us as a as a as a grassroots movement with enough people to be able to inform choice to be able to vote with your wallet yeah. and you know I'm a great believer I'm, I've been a hardcore activist for most of my life in environmental and health areas mm. you know people could understand the power of where they put their money That's and if, if a company steps out of line because these companies there's so few of them you know mm. ten companies in the food space control the vast number of brands that we find in our supermarkets. It's, it's actually it's across too the difficult world. to grasp and, and that's why, why it's so successful for them to brand their, all their different products as competitors when they're actually all funding the yeah, same pocket. You, you, you know, you lose on one, you gain on the other. Absolutely. It doesn't affect the company, they're looking at their bottom line. It's amazing. Um, but, but if we were able to instigate boycotts for companies that, that were kind of moving in the wrong direction, trying yeah. to take over the space and dilute it, reduce it, um, control it, um, some of the protectionist policies out there are pretty, yeah. pretty worrying. Um, you know, again, looking at the negative side, the, the legal system that control, controls food and medicine is not right. Yeah. It is absolutely not right that you can talk about the medicinal benefits of a generic food. So like a healthy plate of food, we know that we can cut type 2 diabetes, deal with obesity by eating differently. It's not just the macro and micronutrient contents of the plate, it's how you eat. Yes. And it's when you eat, yeah. so that you can move towards, you know, keto adaptation as a as a normal state. Not, yeah, 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 yeah. Not come yeah. some kind of not nutritional science. ketosis. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not robots. And, and we're not we're not necessarily going to be in nutritional ketosis, expressing more beta hydroxybutyrate all of the time. But within a 24-hour cycle, the natural state is to be in it some of the time. Yeah. And the reality is that where we have a population that is basically junkies chronically over um, like chronically yeah. we the the beta oxidation fat burning apparatus literally goes to sleep and it, it never ever yeah. works and then we got we got people out there who then told let's go and be active so they go to the gym and they're always 
working inside their glycogen window. So they, they're not told because there's no information coming down from the top. Unless you go out and you're active for more than, say, an hour to an hour and a half, and you've burnt the stored glycogen from the meal the day before because you've been living off all these carbs and you've got to store that carbohydrate somehow. So you've got to burn the skeletal muscle reserves, the liver reserves. That takes you an hour and a half. Frankly, that's why you know anyone who's into long distance walking or long yeah. distance cycling, it's easy to you know get rid of your car and ride your bike. Yeah. Um, you start uh, wh- why do you working think it's outside that. Perfect. Why do you think it's suddenly come along? Because I mean, that a lot of the work that was done on ketosis and ketogenic diet was done in am I right, since 60s, 70s, even like somebody in like yeah. 1800s. Yeah, yeah. The, the, that, I mean, that's the Banting diet is the first you know view on it, Banting, you know, his, his treatise on corpulence was, was yes. all about, you know, cutting carbs and eating more fat, and um, they showed spectacular results back then. It's amazing. Um, it, it, you know, the, the, the system is about how, how pharma um, has controlled it. They've been looking for an obesity drug for a long time. They will never find an obesity drug. Obesity is a very complex, multifactorial disease that is about disturbance in the hormonal control of appetite regulation and energy storage and metabolism. And um, so so you get people who want to keep on feeding despite the fact that they have more than adequate energy reserves on board. What was that amazing guy who did, did a, a, was it a year and a half fast? He finished his year and a half fast like last year or the year before? Oh, did he? He, he fasted okay. for 400 days wow. just on water and he started, I mean, he started as a really morbidly obese at 400 something pounds. It was pretty ridiculous. And he lived off his fat reserves. He lived off his fat yeah, reserves yeah. for over a year. Yeah. Um, but of course the Breatharians have been doing a similar thing and um, yeah. in, in many ways it I think the most plausible explanation is they're actually living off their um, microflora. Oh, microflora? Yeah, wow. So we're getting, I mean... Because they produce short-chain fats? They're producing everything. I mean, you know, the the, the microbiome can provide a food for ourselves as well. You you take everything. The body is very, very adaptable. But there's there's really no other explanation um, because these people are not, they don't have enough lipid on them to just burn lipid all the time. The fat person is one system, yeah. but but that's you know looking at the body as an ecological system. Um, you know our inside is our outside, effectively. We've got to tune from here to here, Absolutely. and um, so yeah, the body will survival so instinct is strong. Do you think that it's a response, a, a direct response to the pressure from um, you know overarching authoritarian health information that we've got so many new thoughts happening in terms of like. Lifestyle, uh, lifestyle approach that people are taking in terms of like cold water exposure, like with Vim Hof method, these yeah. sort of things that people are suddenly getting into doing endurance, endurance training, or, tra- or even hit training. People are like looking at you know fasting, sick of fasting. Do you, do you think that's the response to that? It, why do you think suddenly? Because we weren't doing these like free things. Everyone was looking for a pill up until I feel like like ten years ago. Am I yeah. on my own? No, that that is about right because the drug companies are conditioning us. What what's happening is that the weight of research that is allowing us to understand better what our evolutionary norm is, is now unstoppable. Um, And so many of these things, like the way in which we thermoregulate, the way in which we handle our microbiome, um, the frequency by which we eat, 
the you know and you know some of the stuff that's been sold to us about you know our Paleolithic ancestors, the hunter gatherers, is absolute rubbish, rubbish. as well. Yeah. So yeah. you know, yeah. in fact, fact, all of our Paleolithic ancestors were were plant-based diet, mm -hmm. occasional meat. And you and I roasting their buckwheat a hundred thousand yeah. years ago. Yeah. Like, what? They, exactly. They 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 weren't. You know, living I mean, we always think that, like, and, we, and we, we, make, we make fun of them like the apes, and we essentially yeah. treat that word like a whatever, a, a demeaning term. Yeah. But they were like they were incredible. They were exploring things that had never been done before, the way that we never would. Yeah. Picking up things that might kill them, learning to process them, yeah. teaching their children this through oral tradition, yeah. and keeping it going for like I mean, essentially hundreds of thousands, a couple of million years before yeah. it got to us and our our Western, you know, scientific reductive attitude. Yeah, exactly, and and, and of course. Um, they didn't live as long as, as we did, but they their, their whole life cycle was, from an ecological perspective, much more efficient because they didn't have years of morbidity. Yeah. Um, so they had shorter lives, but they were like other animals. If you, you know, even people who uh, care to look at what's happening in a, in a national park, yeah. you don't see a bunch of old animals sort of crawling around looking really unfit. They, they go to sleep one night and they die. That's it. Um, and it isn't about longevity, it's about it's about healthiness yeah. and longevity, which is why the centenarians are actually quite interesting because they, they do both. They have lower morbidity and they have longer lives. So, and and we're, I think another general trend that is really powerful in terms of driving these change behaviors is, is epigenetics. So understanding that it's not just the genes you're born with. I mean, I, I've got a pretty bad deck of cards myself. I, my genes are not great. And you'd never but, but well, you, you, you remember a few years back, I was yeah. 25 kilograms more. But um, bottom line is that it is the environment that pulls the trigger. Our genes just load the gun. And, um, and so gene expression is really the main genetic factor that controls our health and we as individuals have the power to change that gene expression. Like the doctor, basis, yeah, the like doctor who's prescribing yeah. medicine can can interrupt certain pathways and you know in many ways you know the the, the definition that there's a problem with that approach is that we get side effects. Why do you get side effects? Um, and um, apologies for that. Um, so um, so that's your your handler, your lovely handler. Yeah, oh God, so we're yeah. going to be killed. Sorry. Um, so um, yeah, so gene expression, it's been very empowering. You know, understanding that that um, once the human genome had been decoded in 2003, that it wasn't going to be a panacea for the drug companies to say, hey, let's have tailored medicines, let's use pharmacogenomics as a way of creating tailored medicine. They realised actually the much more powerful cue to controlling healthy gene expression was to do with diet and lifestyle. So, you know, we, the, the, the main change we've got to see here is, is basically a system where people understand that processing of foods, industrialization of our food supply is one of the most negative interactions we've seen. Um, and but there is plenty of choice out there. So people who subscribe to box schemes, people who go to a health store and buy, you know, people who learn to cook from scratch, people who learn how to cook in ways that doesn't damage their food, people who combine that with, with healthy, you know, all sorts of healthy behaviours, understand how to exercise, probably not in the gym, more outdoors. Um, Bang it's, on. It's starting to come together. There's a great quote that I heard the other day, uh, that the essence of tyranny is the conscious removal of nuance. Oh. Love it. Isn't it lovely? Yeah, love it, it. And, and that's what I, I love about you, Rob, because yeah. what you're essentially trying to do is 
treat people like adults, allow them to grasp for themselves what their potential is, yeah. and to, to seek to elevate it essentially. That's that's what I love about yeah. it. And yeah. One tiny little thing I'd love you to finish on because I think yeah. it's my favourite thing I've ever heard you say because it's got to do with ketosis as well. I know it's, a, it's an obsession of yours and, and an interest of mine as well. Yeah. The amount of so ATP yeah. is the the unit of of energy that our cells produce, right? Yeah. So between uh, glucose and fats, there's one unit of each produces how much ATP? So this is this is this is an indicator of, of, of how much energy you can get from a tiny amount of fat versus. Yeah, and uh, um, uh, if I'm right in thinking, if you take one molecule of glucose, you will produce 36 ATPs yeah. by the time you've gone through aerobic glycolysis within the mitochondrial matrix, yeah. so you've got to go through electron transport, most of them are kicked out through electron transport, yeah. and interestingly enough, you know, so that's one molecule, the, the real, and, and if, you, if you look at fatty acids, <laughs> yeah, if you look at fatty acids, yeah. it's, it's 139, yeah. but, so you've got much more efficient trans, you know, yeah. transfer to energy. Right. But the bottom line is, if you look at it in terms of the reserves that the average person has, yeah. um, the fact that we have lipid on board, we've got an energy storage system as adipose tissue, means that the total number of potential ATP molecules available to us is, is orders of magnitude greater. And if you can't beta-oxidize, that lipid, you can't access that energy store. So the fact that we have adipose tissue at all, the reason that it you know, oscillates in the amount is because we alter that long-range fuel tank. We've got to learn how to burn the stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's it. But it also, we don't have the right nutrients in our body, yeah. and the cofactors, the carnitine just shuttled into the mitochondria, mm -hmm. um, the cones on Q10 to act as a cofactor within electron transport. Yeah. We can't do it either. Mm -hmm. Put people on statins. Mm -hmm. You massive, massively deplete it. Yeah. Um, if people don't engage in intense exercise, mm. their mitochondrial volume and density decreases. Mm. So yeah. if they just get told to go out and do a gentle stroll, they will never develop it. So, yeah. so mitochondrial dysfunction, which is a combination of poor diets, insufficient nutrients, inability to burn fat, yeah. you know. And you can change it in a day. You can, yeah. I mean, you just start running up the stairs instead of walking. You can change like it in a day and you can really feel it in a month. Yeah. And That's by really three cool. months, it's become really stable. By Part two years, it. actually the, the total process, I think, of keto adaptation where it becomes really stable for many people is around two years. Wow. So okay. it's, it's a, I'm just about to but, but, but yeah, it's, uh, you get that. Exciting. Yeah, I'm getting there. Listen, thank you so much. I know we have to deliver you back inside the hall where thank you're you like so being wanted by many people. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you. No, amazing. Game. Cheers, guys. Super duper. And oh, you can check out Rob on the Alliance for National Health, anhinternational.org. Brilliant. Uh, where he does a lot of health freedom work. Um, find him there. Find him on Twitter. He doesn't do enough of this, though. We need to get him out there in the public. Anyway, or check out our, our debate we did with the Happy Pair last you year. You guys like talking. Yeah, 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 we do. We have a chat. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So see you again. Thank Cheers. you, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.